not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for this time we have around your word. I pray, Father, that our hearts, our minds, our ears will be receptive. Most of all, Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit who's here to lead us and guide us into all truth. And Lord, as we start this new year off right by putting you first, we thank you that as we offer the first part, you will bless the rest. So we thank you in advance for supernatural favor flowing in our lives as a result of putting you first. And I thank you now for your word building us up, strengthening us, and keeping us in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen, amen. amen. God bless you. Every year I like to take the time to really seek the Lord and find out what he would have for us as a church and for us individually. And every year God has never disappointed us when it comes to a prophetic word for our lives. Everybody say a prophetic word. And so the theme, if you don't know by now, for this year is a year of great expectations. A year of great expectations. And I believe this year is going to super exceed, if that's a word, super exceed even that which you anticipated. Amen. You know, uh, I don't know how many of you all uh, are still fasting. We should still be. But many of you were eating the communion bread and I saw you chewing on it like it was a burger. You just took one little bite because you didn't want to take the whole thing because, you know, it's the only food you've had in 24 hours. You got to take a little bite, take a little bite. Some of you all were pretending it was a McDonald's burger or something. But, but uh, I believe this year is going to be a great year. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20, and then Genesis chapter 4, verses 3. That was 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20. And then Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, I'm going to do a brief overview because it connects to the, the uh, lesson that I have this morning from what we taught on Tuesday. But if you're taking notes, our lesson is very long, but praise the Lord for a CD. Here's the lesson title for today. First Fruit Living, The Door to Great Expectations. I'm going to say that again. First Fruit Living, The Door to to great expectations. Everybody say this with me. Say, first fruit living, the door to great expectations. And what I mean by that is, I believe there is a door to every blessing, opportunity, and favor. I mean, for you to have gotten in this building, you had to go through a door. 
Well, I believe there is a door of opportunity in everything, and I believe there is a door that we can walk in to, to, to watch this, receive great expectations, and that door is first fruit living. Now, we define uh, the word expectation as to look forward to, to anticipate the occurrence of something, or, watch this, to look for something with reason or justification. In other words, expectation means to just anticipate something coming. Can you say amen to that? Now, I have three points this morning that I want you to write down. Here's the first point, and that is great expectations are birth from having great promises. I'm going to say that again. Great expectations are birth from having great promises. Another way of saying it is promises have the power to birth expectations. I'm going to say it again. Promises, everybody say promises. Promises have the power to birth expectations. In other words, the way that you can expect something is when something has been promised. When you were a kid, some of the reasons why uh, you, you have the expectation level that you have right now as an adult is because of what you experienced as a kid. If your parents consistently broke their promises to you, it's very difficult for you to trust God for him to do his part. Amen. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, my purpose in reading this is to help us see who God is, and what type of promises he's made for us. In verse 20, it says, For all of the promises of God in him, or in Christ Jesus, they are yes and amen. The NIV version says, no, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. I love this other translation. It says, Whatever God has promised, it gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. When you call on the name of Jesus Christ, it's like the endorsement of a check. I mean, if someone walked up to you and gave you a blank check with their signature on it, it was not filled out and said to you, I have more money than you could ever spend in your life. I want you to write a check for whatever you want. How many would go for the most? Amen. Well, guess what? Every promise that God has made, watch this, already has a blank check with Jesus' name stamped on it. Our job is to just fill in the check of what things soever we desire. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So God wants us to have expectations, but those expectations come from his word. And that's why it's so important to allow the word to get deposited in your heart. The word has to be consistently deposited. In other words, no deposit, no return. I mean, it, it's impossible to go to a bank and withdraw money you but didn't put in. How many heard of NSF? Anybody? Amen. Well, NSF stands for non-sufficient funds. Well, in the faith world, non-sufficient funds. Uh, NSF stands for non-sufficient faith. In other words, when you write out that check, when you complete the check that has the name of Jesus on it, do you have enough faith for it to clear? Amen. See, what's in you in abundance is what's going to come out. That's what Jesus said. So if the word is in me in abundance, then the word is going to come out of me. 
And the reason why the word has to come out of you is because God has designed this world to be voice activated. I mean, he didn't think this world to happen. It said, and God said. Okay, well, he can't say what ain't in him. Well, guess what? You can't say what's not in you. Amen. So we have to first know that these, that, that great expectations, even if your expectations right now are low, I'm telling you how to increase them. You increase them by putting the promises in. Amen. Here's number two real quickly because here's the one I want to focus on. And that is living a first fruit life means putting God first in my life. I'm going to say it again. Living a first fruit life means putting God first in my life. I'm going to say it a different way. Putting God first becomes my core and not my chore. I'm going to say that again. Putting God first, watch this now, it becomes part of my core and not just a chore. See, when God is first, when he is in the fabric of how you think and who you are, you don't even have to think about him being first in your life because he's first in your life. Now, sometimes we have to train ourselves to think that way. But let me show you how this works. Go to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Living a first fruit life means putting God first in my life. And you know, a lot of people say, uh, uh, God is first in my life. But see, you have to know there are indicators. Everybody say indicators. There are indicators for you and I to determine if God is really first in our lives. Amen. In Genesis chapter 4, I'm going to show you this first fruit process all the way in the book of Genesis. In chapter 4, this is uh, Cain and Abel. In verse 3 it says, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, watch this, an offering to the Lord. Everybody say Cain brought an offering. Now look in verse 4. And then Abel, he also brought of the what? The firstlings of his flock. In other words, Cain brought what he had left. Abel decided to give what was first. Okay, let me say it this way. Cain decided to give leftovers. Abel decided, I'm going to trust God with what's in my hand, and I'm going to give him the first portion of what I have even if I don't know how the rest is going to come in. Amen. Now watch and see what God's response was. And the Lord had what? Come on, class. He had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Now, I don't want you to just see this as giving money. I'm talking about giving of your life. This first, this first principle is not just for things. It's for your life. First fruit living is what I'm talking about. You say, well, pastor, I don't know. Go to, go to Matthew chapter 6. Go to Matthew 6 quickly. Go to Matthew chapter 6. First fruit living is a principle. When God is first, he should be. Notice I said should be. He should be first in every area of your life. You know God can be first in your money and not in your mouth. You know he can be first in your mouth but not in your marriage. In other words, he wants to be first. And what, what do I mean by first? His way of thinking, his way of doing things has been integrated 
into my core being. When you get to this point, cussing is not even an option. See, I don't, amen. When, when I see people and, and, and I get upset, I don't even think, should I cuss them out or not? It's not that, that, that's not even part of my process. Now, my process might be, should I kill them or not, but not necessarily, should I cuss at them or not? <laughs> Y'all say, help the pastor, help the pastor. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, look in verse 33. What does it say? What's the first word? Well, let's, let me start at verse 31. Let's start at verse 31. It says, therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or, what, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Now, let me just give you a tip here. Notice it says, therefore, take no thought, saying. So you know what you're thinking by what you say. Okay? So verse 32 says, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you and I have need of all of these things. So what is the remedy? The remedy is first fruit living because in verse 33 it says, But seek ye what? First the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what happens? All of these things will be what? Will be added to you. In other words, first fruit living pushes me into a path of overflow. Notice he says, if, my, if I seek first the kingdom of God, if God is first in my life, first he's going to have respect for what I do. That's in Genesis. Then he says here, all these things will be added to me. Can you say amen to that? Now go to Exodus quickly. Go to Exodus. I, I, I want to I go to Exodus. I know we were over in the Old Testament. Go to Exodus. Go to Exodus chapter 20. And... Uh, You know what? I want to skip that. I want to skip it because I want to focus in on uh, another point. When God is first, it produces a God consciousness. Everybody say God consciousness. When you have God consciousness, then watch this. Doubt is on the outside trying to get in, not on the inside trying to get out. God consciousness is when you think in, in a way that you know that God is not only with you, he's for you, and he will do what you need him to do. Now, I know that sounds, okay, years ago, everybody say years ago. Years ago, uh, this is when my wife had a smaller grocery budget. We've always had a budget. And if I had $25 million, we would still have a budget. Because to whom much is given... Much is required. If I can't be faithful over little, he's not going to graduate me to much. So your, your graduation is, is based on, on your uh, faithfulness. So, we, you know, she had a budget. And so uh, this was during Christmas time. And uh, she was at Walmart. And I'm not sure what she was thinking at the time. She was caught up in the spirit. And she was putting all this stuff in the basket that she didn't have money for. So, I mean, she had two baskets. One of them had all meat in it. Well, that in itself wasn't even enough for the grocery budget, but she put it in there anyway. And then she had this second basket with all the other stuff. So she's in this long line. And uh, you know how Walmart can be. 
uh, especially if it's late at night, they only have two aisles open. <laughs> 50 people standing in line. Sometimes I just want to go and check myself in and go to the cash register and help everybody out. Well, this line was long, and then they had an emergency, and, you know, they get over to telecom. So-and-so, could you come to now 15? And so the manager came to the checker who my wife was at and told him, look, I need you to go help over at this aisle, and uh, I'll take over yours. Well, you know, they're supposed to punch out, you know, on the register and then punch back in as themselves. Well, for some reason, it wasn't working out. So the line was long, and, and, and most of us would be grumbling. So she's got all these grumbling people in line, and then she's got this lady that don't have enough money in her basket anyway with all this basket stuff. And she gets to my wife, and she rings. The lady, the first lady had already rung up the first basket, which was all the meat. And the lady couldn't get logged out. So she, you know what she said? She said, you know what? I can't, I can't get out logged out. So uh, this first basket is uh, Merry Christmas on Walmart. Just gave her. Now, how many know we had money for the second basket? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But see, there was an anticipation in my wife's heart that she believed that even at the last minute, God is able. I'm not sure why believers, we believe that God can do exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask or think. But then when we get in a situation for him to be able to do it, we choke. I'm not sure. See, we look at it as why did God put me in this situation? Well, maybe he put you in this situation so he can carry out Ephesians chapter 5, chapter five verse 20 on you. Or 320. Maybe he wants to do exceeding and abundantly above all, but he can't do it until you're in an opportunity for him to do that. I mean, wh- why can't God do it at the last minute? He can. Amen. And I, I, I promise you in 2014, some of us are going to have opportunities to d- take the next step of faith, but we can't see what we're stepping into. If you knew that that next step was going to produce a millionaire ideal, why wouldn't you take it? See, what we want, we want to know what the next step is before we step it. That's not, that's not faith. Faith don't need to know it all. Faith just needs to know him all. Amen. So... When God is first in our lives, it will produce a God consciousness. And a God consciousness keeps us aware of his presence and his power. Here's another point. Giving the first of my life blesses the rest of my life. Giving the first of my life blesses the rest of my life. In other words, when I give God my life first, he's going to make sure the rest works out. Now, go to... uh, Go to Matthew chapter, go to Proverbs chapter 3. Go to Proverbs 3. I've already proven in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, that if I seek first the kingdom, he'll make sure everything else is added to my life. Well, let me show it to you in a different way in Proverbs chapter 3. Now, remember, this is the principle. This one is going to talk about the principle of sowing and reaping, but I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about sowing your life first. Is he first? So I've had to rearrange some things. So for the last uh, week, 
I've been practicing this before my kids go to school because I take our kids to school, right? And so that's the first thing. You know, I get up and make sure Landon is ready and, you know, and then we all get in the car and go to school. And, and uh, then I come home and study. Well, I decided I don't want the first person I talk to to be my kids. I said, well, even though I know I'm going to study when I get home, I've decided that before they get up now, I'm going to get up and read at least whatever day of the week it is, like today is the fourth, right, or fifth. You read Proverbs in that day, and then you read a psalm for that day, and then now I can at least say, God, you were first today. Now, reading and not applying doesn't make him first. Did you hear what I said? Reading and not applying doesn't make him first. In other words, I could go through that little thing, get up early before my kids, be all tired and read my Bible, and, and I'm getting through it, and, and then all of a sudden, and then I'm mean as the devil when they get up. Come on now. In Proverbs 3, here's a way that we can put God first again. It says, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruit of your increase. Now forget this Talking about money, I want you to think about it as your life. When you put God first, it honors Him. When you put Him first, it honors Him. And there are several areas you can put God first. You can put Him first in your spiritual life. What does that mean? That just means that I prioritize my life to make sure I spend time with God and in His Word and prayer so the spiritual part of me stays sharp. So you can have your spiritual life. Then the second area is your thought life. You know, when you put God first, you got to start putting him first in different areas. So you got to put him first in your thought life. Well, how do you put him first in your thought life? Listen, it, is, it is possible to think like God. Did you know that? It's possible to think like God. You can be somewhere and God infuses a thought into you and you know it's him. Amen. Uh, I was praying for someone here, uh, I think it was last week or the week before last, and uh, for some reason when I hugged them, the Lord just told me to keep hugging them. Just keep hugging them. And I'm hugging them, and I'm like, okay, Lord, when do I stop hugging them? I mean, it was a holy hug, you know. It wasn't a hoochie hug. It was a holy hug. <laughs> So, you know, I'm just straightening out everybody, okay? So I'm hugging this person, and finally, I mean, I hugged him for a long time. And then when I, I, when I got done, he told me what it was, and I looked at him, and I said, that was the hug your daddy didn't give you. Oh, my God, you'd have thought that I pronounced somebody dead. They start crying like a baby. But how would I know that that's what they needed at the time they needed it? As a matter of fact, I didn't even ask him what they came down for prayer for because I didn't need to know. He needed to know. And they needed to know he knew. And sometimes, you know, when you get your thought life together, man, you'll start thinking like God. A thought will come and you'll know. I, I was talking to somebody the other day. I said, you can know the difference between if it's the devil or you. It's easy. If it's good, the devil ain't going to tell you to do it. If it's bad, God ain't going to tell you to do it. Amen. So you got to do your spiritual life. You got to have the first fruit in your thought life. And then your financial life. You know, 
saints don't like to talk about money. We don't like to talk about money. Everybody else can talk about money. Dillers can talk about money. Nemo Marks can talk about money. Walmart can talk about money. They do it all the time. All you got to do is look at, the, look at the TV. Sell, sell, sell. They make a sale for everything. It was like, sell for President's Day. Sell for Groundhog's Day. Sell for, you know, sell for any day. The world is talking about money all the time because they want it. Well, the problem is when the saints don't want to hear what God has to say about it, what you do is you end up defaulting yourself into the world's thought process of money. And and honestly, if you don't put God first in your money, honey, you don't necessarily have the confidence to believe God for what he said he would do. Somebody say amen to that. I mean... It, it, let me give you a practical example. You got to see giving as a job. How many go to work? How many go to work for free? Oh, nobody. Nobody go to work in here for free? Because I was going to hire you as a volunteer. Praise the Lord. No, no, no. Everybody goes to work in here for what? For a check, for some money. So you go willingly. They don't have to call you. And even when, watch this now because I'm coming down your alley in just a minute. Even when you're not feeling good, sick and coughing and going on, but you know, (coughs) I've got these bills. (coughs) You're still on your way. You got to see giving like a job. Because when you really understand giving, you'll know that when I do it, I'm going to get paid. You say, well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? When you give, what's going to happen? It shall be given to you. Amen. Uh, the first day of January, I'm rolling through Sonic, and the Lord told me, listen, they're going to give you whatever you order for free. Do not tip them. Now, that's very hard for me because I'm a giver. I tip them anyway. And, 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 and I knew I had to obey God. I knew I had to. And it was so, I, I, between the speaker and the window, I was wrestling. Oh, my God. God said they're going to give me this, and I can't give them nothing. Oh, Lord, what am I going to do? I, I mean, I'm on the inside wrestling on not giving. But I have to obey him. Because if, if, if you are a giver, you sometimes ought to be a receiver. So I get up to the window, just like he said. She gives me the drink, and I just act like I was lost something. I was like, thank you. God's got to be first in your financial life. God's got to be first in your relational life. He's got to be first in your marriage. You You know, most people who are married... They feel that the other person needs to continue to prove to them that they love them. No, no, no. That's not their job. Your job is to prove to them that you love them. Y'all didn't get that, did you? In other words, if, if my wife, it's not my job to, to measure her every day to see how much she loves me. Oh, I'm going I'm to see how much she loved me today and she did this, this. No, no. It's my job. To make sure she knows that I love her. 
And if both people are doing that, guess what? What's going on? Let's get it on. Y'all remember that song? Let's get it on. Some of the old, some of the young people going, I don't know what that song is. When he's first, as I close, as, as he's, when he's first in our relationships, you will have peace in your home. Let me tell you something about peace. Peace is more valuable than any money you could ever have. Because, see, I know some people with some money and no peace, and they might as well don't have none. I mean, now, what, that was wonderful is you can have both. You can have peace and money. But I'm saying if you're going to go for one, go for peace because peace brings the commanded blessing of the Lord anyway. And I think some of you all here just need to give your, put your relationship, put it first. I'm talking to some people right now. There are some people that you are friends with and your spouse does not like it, cut it off. I'm going to say it on this side. Maybe they over here. If you are friends with somebody and your spouse does not like it, cut it off. Well, let me tell this crowd over here. If you are friends with somebody, I don't care if it's a male or female, and your spouse does not like it, what's the next two words? That's three, but yes. Cut it off. See, some of y'all are reasoning right now. Yeah, but they've been my childhood friend. And she's been my girlfriend all these years. Yeah, but she's making you miserable. You know what? Every head bowed right now. There are some relationships in this room right now. And your spouse, you don't see it as them not being first, but they haven't been first because... There are some relationships that mean too much to you that you're not willing to cut off. And I believe I'm talking to some people right now. And even if you're single, you say, well, I don't apply. Yeah, you apply because maybe you're in a relationship that the Lord does not have his stamp of approval on. And if you're here today and you're married... And there's been an issue with this person that you're friends with. There ain't nothing bad going on or nothing. For some reason, your spouse does not want you to be friends with this person anymore. If that's you, every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you. Raise your hand right there at your seat. Raise your hand. Come on, real high. Be honest. One, I see a hand right here. 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 I see a hand in the back. I see a hand right there. I see a hand right there. I see a hand right there. Appreciate that. Anybody? You know what? I'm going to wait. If you, uh, uh, thank you. I see your hand right here. I'm going to wait because there's some other people in this room. Your spouse is not happy with some people you're friends with. This is your opportunity right now. You say, well, Pastor, I'm going to come clean on my own. No, no, no. This is the time to do it because the Holy Spirit's brought it up. Who else? Anybody else? Thank you. I appreciate that, man of God. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, sweetie. I see your hand. Anybody else? I'm going to wait because there's some others in the room. Thank you, young lady. Amen. 
All right, you can put your hand down. Father, in Jesus' name, only you could point out something that's not necessarily significant to us, but it's significant to you. And I pray that every person who raised their hand, knowing, Father, they, they're in a relationship or friends with someone that their spouse is not necessarily happy about. I thank you for them raising their hand today, and I pray that you will infuse them now with the strength to cut that relationship off. And Lord, I thank you that when they do, they will see another level of unity and intimacy in their relationship. And I thank you, Father, by the end of this year, you'll not only replace that person, but Father, you will replace them with a, healthy, a healthier relationship for that person. And Lord, whatever they were lacking that they weren't getting from their spouse, I pray that they will communicate that and that their lives, their relationship will become much better in the name of Jesus. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that means if you died today, are you 100% sure that heaven would be your home. If you're not 100%.